Hey everyone, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. I'm a cookbook author, recipe developer who is really, really obsessed with making food just taste really darn good. I'm a mama of two, I'm a wife, and you pretty much already know all this if we are friends over on Instagram. In each podcast episode, we catch up with friends, bring on some new amazing humans to share their stories with you, and you guys get to be a fly on the wall in each of these conversations. We get juicy, we chat, we laugh, we get awkward at times, but there's nothing I love more than getting to share these conversations with you guys each and every week. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate, review, and share the podcast when you listen. Listen back to ones you may have missed. The Just the Good Stuff crew is so special to me, and I know you guys will love something from each and every episode. So now let's dive into today's episode. No intro needed because that's how we do it over here. Justine, hi. This is crazy. Like I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be your first time like meeting face to face. Well, it's funny because I I don't know you whatsoever, but after following you now, I'm like, I feel like I know you, which it's funny because I don't know much about you, which I'm so excited to kind of like personally learn about more about you and who you are. But also like, but it's weird because I just feel like I know like you lived in Hoboken, you love Trader Joe's as much as I do. You moved to the city. Like, I just feel like I know you, but I don't. Yeah. I was talking about this with Liz actually, like how because Liz and I met through DMs basically on TikTok, but it's like with content creators, you feel like you can kind of like get to know them just a little bit, even though it's really just like micro pictures of like their life and stuff. Is that a GT's kombucha? It is. And when I always drink one around this time and when I was getting it, I was at Trader Joe's this morning. I'm like, what flavor should I get? I went with strawberry lemonade I wonder if Justine's going to drink one because she's, I drink them as much as you do. I, yeah. So when I was listening to your Quit My Job podcast, I'm going to get the weird out of the way first. I was like, dude, she and I might be the same person because I had the Diet Coke addiction. I worked on Madison Avenue and like, like an agency. Oh my God. Yeah. And what, how old were you when you got fired? 25. Okay. I'm, I was 27, but still, or 26, but no. still, yeah. So it was just like, it was just listening to that. I was like, oh my God, crazy. Oh, and my account started as an oat appreciation account. Well, and that's not every time I feel like I know you, maybe it's because we do have a lot of similarities, but we definitely really vibe when it comes to a social media, like aesthetic too. And just like the stuff we crave and make. And when I was talking to Lisa from Garden of Life, Mm-hmm. about you this was like months ago and I just ran I didn't know that Garden of like you worked with them too I just randomly asked Lisa about you and I go what do you think of Justine she's like I love her like you would love her so much like you need to meet her and that was when I like started like following all of your content because I was like okay well clearly Lisa like Lisa's my best friend she's like my sister so like, if she is telling me that I would love her like I'm all for it then and since then I'm like literally your biggest fan Oh, thank you. You, um, when you started watching and like, you probably clicked through so many stories, but when you started watching my Trader Joe's halls in Hoboken, I was like, we're going to meet there one day. It's going to be weird. <laughs> you go there. You used to go there early though. Oh, 8am. Yeah. I did not like, cause that, that Trader Joe's is perfect, but when it gets crowded, I get very overwhelmed. I was in there this morning at like 830. I'm usually like either around that time or I go at like 10. Mm. So it's like a hit or miss. I actually saw Melissa Benache, like the founder of Baked by Melissa, in there. She's always in there at eight o'clock. That's crazy. I probably have seen her. I just didn't have no idea who she is. No, keep an eye on the prize. Um, so let's rewind. There's so much I want to chat with you about. So your name's Justine. Where are you from? Okay, so originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, then my family lived in Hong Kong for five years. Yeah. So age four to 10, I lived in Hong Kong. Um, and that did shape like how I view food in a certain way, but we moved back to Missouri and that's where I primarily grew up, went to school in upstate New York. And then I've lived in New York ever since graduating. What did you major in? So I went to Cornell and they have this thing called the school of hotel administration which they like to be all hoity-toity about it and say that it's the number one hospitality school in the world. But what's great is like, it's a business degree with 
uh, focus on hospitality. And then you can also get really good culinary training and culinary chops in that school. You can also choose to do CIA, like Culinary Institute of America and Cornell as a dual degree. I didn't do that, but I took advantage of all like the wines classes and the culinary classes. That's so fun though. Yeah. Well, to like do that in school, like what made you, did you go to Cornell for that? Or did you find that type of major once you were there? Um, I went to Cornell for that major because I honestly was so caught up in like the glamour of travel and like I wanted to work in a hotel and then I realized it's not that glamorous, but I've always loved like the hospitality industry. I've always loved food. So I kind of appreciated that major for what it was, went into a career in PR because that's the job I could get. And then I kind of, everything fell into place in terms of content creation, which was awesome went were the job that you got fired let's talk about that a little if you're open I'm assuming you are because you had brought it up earlier but where so you were working at a PR agency was it the one that you started at from school that you were fired from so I worked no and I wasn't technically fired I was I was given an ultimatum and I chose to quit because my company was getting really really handsy with my account and that didn't feel so great so to back up After graduating college, I worked in a couple of PR agencies, some of them focusing in like food and beverage, others focusing, um, oh my God, I'm already forgetting. Uh, So I worked in a few agencies and, oh yeah, some of them were like hardware focused. It was just like all sorts of products and goods. Um, But that helped because now I understand how like the agencies that we work with work. Um, Then I worked at ABC News in their publicity department for a year and a half. And then I moved to Discovery Networks, which is the last job I had. And I loved working there. I loved the people. I really wanted to keep that job, but I started my TikTok account during quarantine and it became really, really lucrative and really, really like it, it fed my soul in a way that my job didn't. And um, as I started to get more and more opportunities, uh, my company started noticing and there was a lot of stuff that I don't want to like fully disclose, but like lots of communication with the legal team, lots of talk about my account and how it would be allowed to continue. And it was deemed a conflict of interest. So it was kind of like, choose your accounts or choose your job. That's wild because nowadays I feel as though a lot of companies allow you to have your side hustle and your side passion. And also as long as you're doing your job, like which I'm sure you're doing your job very well, but they usually don't mind as long as it doesn't interfere. Like so many people have like their side hustle. And when I was doing it, it was unheard of to like, you know, no one was really doing food accounts or anything on the side. It was just like, they didn't know how to handle it or approach it. But nowadays it's shocking that a company like didn't want you to like pursue. And it's like TikTok, like it's not like a competitor. It was, it was so weird how they, said it it was like it was fine when it was small but as soon as it got big there were just so many concerns and they called it a conflict of interest with for people who don't know discovery network owns food network so they called it a conflict of interest there and i was like how does my and my account had less than a hundred thousand followers on instagram at the time i was like how is that even possible but i think it's just people are very aware of the potential in social media right now. And I think it just makes it such a bigger issue. And it really like, for me, it was really hurtful because I was like working myself to death. I would, how, how it operated was I'd work Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, and I would be up like at 5am in the morning, like writing my blog posts. And then like at night I'd be editing and posting TikToks. That was during the week. And then on the weekend I'd be up at 8am at Trader Joe's. And I'd film all Saturday. I'd film all Sunday. And like my only really break was from 3 p.m. on Sunday when the light was no longer good in my apartment to like 6 p.m. on Sunday. And that was like my only time off. So to hear from my company that they thought I wasn't giving it my all to them was really like, it hurt. Did you sit in that meeting and like make the decision, okay, well, then I'm not going to work with you anymore? Or did you think about it? It was a lot of, it was a lot of long conversations. I really trust and still do trust my SVP there. 
And I told her, I was like, we've come to the point where it's like, I like either let me do what I want to do or I'm going to leave. And wow. Yeah. It was really, really tough because I did not feel 110% secure leaving. Like, I think a lot of people think a hundred K on Instagram is like an automatic career and it's not, it's not that way at all. No, especially now it's like, even like when I was fired, I had like 10,000 followers and it was like making like $50 a post here or there. It wasn't, it was, I knew the potential in the future, but it wasn't like extremely lucrative. Um, when you started your TikTok, what, what made you start this? Like I, when I heard about TikTok, I said to myself, absolutely not. I'm not going on TikTok. That sounds like so daunting to me. Like what made you say, Justine, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be a freaking rock star at it. Okay. Well, first off, don't scroll back to my early TikToks. They're so bad. They are so sad. I filmed them. I had a Google pixel at the time and I filmed them in the TikTok app. So I just opened the app and I filmed it like, um, just like how you would film an Instagram story, like no editing, no anything. I put like little text over the top. I was like, how to make spicy kale chips and like background music. And that was it. Um, and the reason I started was actually because of my job at the time, since I worked in PR and we worked with like a lot of the social media, like platforms when quarantine started, I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to learn how to use this. Like, so for me, it was just like an extra chore. So I was like, in order to be an active consumer of the platform, I have to be a user. So I'm just going to make videos. Okay. What type of videos can I make that won't be too like me? like won't be like me talking to the camera, but also that I know how to do. And I was like, okay, I know how to cook. So I started making cooking videos and um, to get super embarrassing. My first one that took off was a sushi cake. Hear me out. I would just layered like sushi rice. Um, I'm forgetting that, that fish market in Hoboken closed, but you know what I'm talking about? Um, Tuta Pesca or something? Yeah. Yeah. So we got tuna from there. And so I layered that into like what looked like a little tiny layer cake and TikTok loved it. So that, so I was like, oh, this is just like a ridiculous app for kids. And so then I was making all these like ridiculous things. Like I was making supersized Cheerios, which was basically baked oats, but in Cheerio form. And it was my, my early account days are absolutely ridiculous. Zero out of 10, please don't find them. (laughs) Everyone's going to go scroll and find that sushi cake that you just described. Well, I hope they inspire them. I hope that they are inspired to see that you can start literally anywhere because it's so bad. How many views did it have that you were like, wow, what is happening? I think it reached like 100K views and I was like, I'm famous. (laughs) But still, I remember in our first video on TikTok, we had one that had like 10,000 views and like, you know, I'm starting from the bottom on there. I'm like, Wow, 10,000. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you get like addicted to it. So what happened was I got addicted to it. And then my actual first video that went viral, which I on TikTok I deemed viral over a million views, was okay. a voiceover video. And so then I just started doing that. And then I just like wanted to keep getting better and better and better and it was such a great creative outlet. Um and so it just kind of snowballed from sushi cake. And what, did you always have a passion for like cooking and baking or when did you start doing like your own recipes or sharing your own recipes? Like when did your blog come into play? So the blog came, well, my Instagram also was an accident. So it started Instagram, then blog. My Instagram started last July. And that's because I was so freaking tired of people on TikTok being like, what's the recipe when I had already put it in the comments. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to make an Instagram Um, so I can write out the recipe and people can find it. And my Instagram at the time was just screenshots of my TikToks. Like I didn't care. And I will, I'll never forget. I was in bed, like typing out my Instagram, super embarrassed about it too. Cause it was just again, screenshots. And I had 17 followers and I was like, Eric, Eric's my boyfriend. I was like, 17 people followed me. (laughs) And because to me, I was like, why would anybody follow me? This is just like a resource. And so once um, the demand for like more in-depth recipes and like more instruction came, then I built the blog and that was in January of 2021. 
But the actual like passion for recipe development came from, well, kind of, it does play into my history with disordered eating, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. But as a kid, I always was just like baking like the Nestle chocolate chip cookies and stuff. Um, But as I grew up, I realized like I liked to, I understood the ratios in baking. That was part of my education at Cornell. And I liked to mess around with it in a way to make it made with ingredients that make me feel good and like food that I like. You you know how we have like this similar cravings. So um, so that's where like my passion for recipe development started. And also to me, baking is just so intuitive. Like it's a formula. And so I just like that I can keep making more and more creative ideas, like going off the same formulas. So once you had your first viral video, which recipe was it? Um, it, it was like a trail mix. Um, it was taking like toasted pecans and then caramelizing it with maple syrup and coconut flakes. And I called it like Samoa trail mix cause it was Girl Scout cookie season. Um, and then after that, and then after that, it was just like a biscuit that was popular. It was just like a snowball effect of like one video popped off and then another and another and another. That's what's been really interesting. I mean, I joined TikTok in June. So, I mean, I I joined as soon as I heard about it, just because, like, not like there's that many other, like, Rachel Mansfields, but I always like to just, like, get my username on any platform. And then I never, like, utilized it. And TikTok's been interesting. It's a really, really wild platform. It's so different from Instagram. Do you, which one do you prefer? Like, where, where do you feel like at home? Okay, I feel cozy in TikTok only because a part of me feels like, and this is also changing now that I've become more active on Instagram stories. Um, but a part of me feels like the TikTok community knows me more because on Instagram, it's like 50% of people scroll with audio on where on TikTok, I feel like it's 90. And I like, I like being in people's ears. I like that they can hear my voice. I like storytelling on that platform. Um, I also feel like the comments section has more of a sense of humor Whereas Instagram, it's like the comment section is super supportive, but it's not like yum. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's like yum with hard eyes or like. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a place for that. But on TikTok, I feel like, I feel like it's a little scrappier. I also feel like it's a little more real, but the platform itself, you can't game, you can't game the system. So from a creator spat per, from a creator perspective, it's a little intimidating from a consumer perspective. I, I prefer TikTok right now. Do you scroll my, like go on the for you page now that I know what that means and just scroll mindlessly and like consume TikTok? Um, in TikTok's defense, I'm going to say I can, I consume mindfully <laughs> because I get so invested in my for you page and the videos on it and people who follow me know because if you follow somebody on tiktok you'll see all their comments on other videos oh cool so people will who follow me know that i am commenting on everything i'm deeply invested in a lot of accounts um it's a little bit of a time suck for me but also i've made it a priority to be more of a creator than a consumer on all platforms Mm -hmm. so my phone hours per day is always like five to six, which I feel is very, like, I'm comfy with that. That's really fair for like the amount of like your job as a content creator on social media platforms. Like that's a solid amount of time. Like that's like not too much in my opinion. Yeah. I also am very weird. And like, I go on Instagram and TikTok on my computer sometimes just because I'm so much more of like a laptop person. Like if I'm on my phone all day, I will lose my mind because it feels like it silos you like into just like head down. Yeah. I noticed like I'll like grab my phone when I go to pee. Like you don't need to pee with your phone, Rachel. Like leave your phone on the counter and like go to the bathroom. Okay. I'm very similar. I use that as my TikTok time because I also do think it's important to be on the app if to like, to like keep up with it, you know? See, I don't consume TikTok. Like I, I've never scrolled on a for you page ever. What? <laughs> What do you do with all your free time? Oh, well, you have, you don't have free time. I don't really have much free time. I, I'm so accustomed to Instagram. And so when I go on my phone, it's to go on Instagram and like, you know, respond to stories or like whatever it is. 
Mm-hmm. But Jordan recently started working with me and he's in charge of TikTok. So he's on my TikTok and he's the one consuming it all because he's going to mess up your for you page. <laughs> no, it's okay. He, he literally is like, do, it's all mom stuff. It's so funny because it's like all stuff that's like, they're catering it to me and like my demographic and whatever. And he thinks it's hysterical because he watches all these like pregnancy videos and things, which I think is funny that like come that it like, that's what he's watching. But when we decided to do TikTok or like pursue it, I looked at him and I just said, I mentally can't take this on. Like it's too much. Like I love the cre- content creation for TikTok, but I can't consume another platform. Yeah. Like it's too much. And I love Instagram. I mean, I, it's a love hate relationship because I think Instagram's like the biggest asshole in the entire world, but that's where I feel at home. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been following the same people. Like I need to find people on TikTok that I love. Like who are some of your favorite TikTok content creators in like any category? Um, so I actually, I was pulling my audience about this the other day on Instagram, cause that's the only place you can do polls, but I've noticed all the influencers I've found in the past year that I love on both platforms. I found through TikTok. So like Court and, Court and Nate, do you follow them? No. They're, they're like van, they do like van life, like van remodels and stuff. They're my TikTok, like love obsession. Um, and then our mutual friend, Liz Moody, I found her through TikTok and she like continues to be my favorite follow. I'm pulling up my following page because I also recently followed a bunch of people. Um, okay. I'm also recently obsessed. This is why I feel like you got to get on TikTok so you can see the craziness that's on there. I'm going to have to. No, 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 no. Don't, don't. I won't pressure you. But <laughs> there is this TikTok niche of like, like I'd say middle-aged women um, who like cook for their humongous families, the most unhealthy food, but it is so satisfying to watch. So I love that. Yeah. So I follow that Midwestern mom. Her niche is like, she makes Minnesota salads that aren't salads. It feeds my soul. And that like jello salad and stuff like that. Um, I follow the entire cast of Love Island, NBD. Oh, recently found out my high school friend has 3.1 million followers on TikTok. So BRB me feeling famous. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. He does comedy. And then, um, I follow a lot of celebrities because it's very bizarre what they'll put on TikTok. Cause I feel like they don't care. You know, I think that's the case that I've noticed with a lot of people on TikTok. Like there's, I would, there's certain things that I'll create that I would never post on Instagram reels, but I'll 100% put on my TikTok. It's just like zero. I feel like it's like zero apps. Yeah. I, I am a very rare case of, I give a lot of Fs about my TikTok. Like it's very, I call it high and tight. Um, but I'm trying to get away from that. I want to do more like what I eat in a days or like more casual content because I feel right now my TikTok is just so, so curated, but that's like not how TikTok works. But your content is stunning. Like your videos are, you could tell they're so well thought out and crafted. And maybe I just noticed that like as a content creator, like I like, I feel like people don't appreciate it if they don't understand like as much work as it really takes to like thought and effort to put into the videos that you're producing because they're stunning. How did you learn how to put together videos like this? Like, do you have any other experience food styling or prop styling or anything? Medium experience food styling. And that comes from like college again, because we'd have to present our work in some culinary classes. But I say this on my Instagram all the time and people are always like baffled by it. I'm not a visual person naturally. Like I'm an auditory learner. I'm a verbal learner. So like compiling things in a visual medium is really hard for me. So making videos honestly was just a total learning curve. And then I figured out a style that I like. So if you go back and see sushi cake, it's very like top down. I was filming like with my phone in my hand. And now what I do, this is so jank. I always film with my iPhone 11. I really want people to know that like, you don't need anything fancy to do this, but I stick my phone like vertically in a piece of tape to hold it up. And then I have my tripod that I've MacGyvered to go top down. And I just switch between those two angles, how I like it. And it was totally like just doing it over and over and over again and figuring out what I like. Because if you do something a hundred times, 
it, it starts to come more naturally. I love that you just said duct tape, iPhone and something. It's just like so scrappy because I've never shot with a legitimate camera. Yeah. I, I never bought a tripod till Jordan started working with me. I'm like so zero frills. But I also think that that's what can make content like what it resonates best with people because while it is looks so beautiful and like it's curated, but not in an over curated way. It like it's curated to me because I can just tell that like it like is so beautiful and stunning and like it gets just that's not easy to like do, but it's in a way that's like approachable, which makes your food then a very approachable. So the fact that people will know that you're also using duct tape to hold your phone up is something that is going to be very highly respected from people. And I appreciate it too, because I also, I went through, I call it my dark phase. And this was right after I quit my job where I was like, I'm going to be super professional now because I have all the time in the world to use a fancy camera and make this like look super well done. And my, my TikTok videos just flopped. Like people don't want it, you know? They don't. I feel like everything's just like super low key. And that's what I, I mean, that's what I like about the creation for content creation from there. But so when, what month did you get fired from your job? Like how recently is this? Um, my last day was April 30th. I had to leave. I should, sorry, I'll stop saying fired. I'm so used to No, it. it's okay. I like the term fired. Cause then it, it, that's how I felt. Cause I didn't want to leave, you know, like a lot of people see quitting your job as this like super empowering, like live your dreams thing, but it's really fucking scary. I'm sorry. It's really effing scary. It's okay. Cause also, do you think that you would have ever had the courage to leave your job to pursue your own gig if they didn't push you? No, I would, I like, I would have needed to be like forced off the ledge. And also even looking back at my old content, I was like, I never would have been able to get to where I am today, even though it's been three months or like make the content that I'm making today if I was still at my job, because a lot of the food that I was making when I was working was like easy stuff that I knew how to do. I knew it would work. I wasn't like pushing any boundaries. I wasn't coming up with anything new. And so I'm glad I got fired slash had to leave because it was just, it was time, but it's not a risk I would have taken. Were you scared financially in terms of not having the like steady income? Like how, I think that's where people get scared the most. Like you're not going to have a steady paycheck anymore. It's going to fluctuate month to month. Like how has that transition been for you? Like mentally even. So luckily enough, Garden of Life was my first like long-term contract and it was a six month contract. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. That gives me six months. And I also... Like my boyfriend and I have lived super low, um, like super scrappily for the income that we do make. So we've had a lot of money saved. I knew that I could give this a go for a year and like that would be my buffer zone. Um, And luckily it's been going great. The inconsistency is hard just in terms of like tracking people down to pay you. I just got an invoice paid 53 days late. Oh, it, it gets worse. Oh no. That mentally has been the hardest part, but also the good part about having my blog is like, that's another part of income that comes in. I I think people don't realize how like diversified you just have to be. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're diversified because you want to be, you got to be on this. Yeah. It's like when people say, how do you make money? And someone asked this on, on a live the other day. And in my head, like, where do I begin? Like there's, cause you can't, solely rely on one source of revenue or one platform or one thing. Like it's so good that you created your blog, you created Instagram, you've diversified. So you're not all your eggs aren't in one basket. And I'm sure brand partnerships will, you know, for the foreseeable future, be your main source of revenue. And it's also like the highest form of revenue, but to have a blog, that's only going to continue to grow the more content that you create and the longer that you like exist on the Google sphere the better for you ad revenue. It's passive income. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. It is my least favorite thing. I will say, cause like sometimes when I'm writing a blog post, I'm like, why does this have to be like this? But I know it's like, it's worth it in the long run. When I first started my blog, I was so stupid. I said to myself, I'm not going to write blog posts. I'm just going to post the recipe on a page because when I go to a blog, I don't even read it. And then I learned that I would, that's not, that's, the silliest thing that someone can do. You like have to have content on the page, like words. Yeah. 
And I wish I like, I wish I could communicate to people because I get tagged in TikToks all the time. There are those websites that are like just the recipe where they enter your blog link and it's just the recipe and people tag me all the time and they're like, you should just do the recipe. And I'm like, I really wish I could, but Google, (laughs) you know, yeah, you will want your recipe on from Instagram in the caption. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do it, but I'd rather refer as many people to my site as possible because that's like a good source of revenue. And it's like a easy way for people to support you without even really doing much besides clicking on a link. A hundred percent. And it's like, it's easier to save. And also you can actually provide like correct instruct, like good in-depth instructions there, which is another thing that like, I, I always want to tell people like, we're doing this for you too, you know? Yeah, exactly. At this point, we are all pretty familiar with how game-changing CBD products can be for so many different things, sleep aid, a pain reliever, to ease anxiety, the list just goes on, but it can be so confusing to know who to buy your CBD from. I was personally told to always look for the highest quality CBD, and that is where I came across Ned. I think what's amazing about Ned is how open they are about everything that they sell. They share third-party lab reports, who farms their products, their extraction process, and everything about their products on their site. It is super confusing to try and navigate good quality CBD out there, and Ned is truly making high quality products, guys. I'm currently using their Magnesium Super Blend, which has been pretty epic. It has also been amazing for my mood, stress response, and I'm convinced it keeps me focused and regular. If you want to check out Ned and try some of their CBD products or anything that they have yourself, head on over to helloned.com and enter the code RACHEL for 15% off your order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's helloned.com slash RACHEL to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription plus free shipping, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Rachel. Highly recommend giving these guys a try, guys. Do you find it hard to engage with your community on TikTok as opposed to Instagram since you don't have something like Instagram stories or something for feedback? This, Yeah, so this has been interesting for me and part of the reason that I'm growing more towards loving Instagram. Um, when I was at my job, I did not Instagram story anything personal. Cause I was like, I'm, that's also why it was so hard to leave. Cause I did everything right. Like nobody knows my last name to date. Nobody can find it. Um, I don't and, know. wait, what'd you say? I don't know your last name. Was it in your email? Uh, yes. Okay. Then I can figure it out. I wasn't it's sure. Not, like, it's not a big secret either. It's just like, I want to see how long I can keep this going. Oh, you do it. You, but you tell me later, you confirm. So I'd have it. <laughs> okay. But, um, but I kept everything like super like private for my job. And then only about a month or a month and a half ago, did I just start going like a little bit batshit crazy on stories or just like getting really personal and like t- sharing a lot of my life. And that's been amazing because people just really want to connect and like, the amount of the amount of stuff that people will remember about you is kind of cool because it feels like we're friends. Um, and that is something TikTok doesn't have. And I really wish it did because right now I share a lot of more personal stories on my TikTok voiceovers, but that's like really the only way that I can show myself to my audience and I get pretty limited feedback from them. It's kind of refreshing though, coming from like, because we're basically are like, 180s where you're coming from TikTok to Instagram and I'm going, from, I'm going from Instagram to TikTok and you're so excited to share and do that and I'm so excited to not have to on TikTok yeah I find it like super refreshing that it's not you know people don't know every ounce of of your life because you'll see people you're going to share something and they will hold you to that same statement four or five years later or if you talk about a brand now and say you don't talk about the brand in a couple of years, like it usually gets noticed. Um, yeah. So for example, I'm just using Garden of Lake because you brought them up and they would never do this to you. But say like you stopped working with them and you started posting like a different thing. Like people say, well, what happened to Garden of Life? Like why don't you use them anymore? Like where did it go? Like people get very invested in everything that's shared, which it has its perks. It does for a lot of things. But then it's also like, oh my God, like people really it's like, I don't, it's not bad TV because it's not bad content, but you know what I mean? It's like addicting. Like people are yeah, so consumed yeah. with everything you're sharing, which is cool. But 
It's cool. I'm already getting the repercussions of like people holding you to what you say because I'm like, oh, I'll take you guys along as I decorate my apartment. I'm doing it really slow and really horribly. And people DM me daily about it. They're like apartment updates. And I'm like, oh God. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And then sometimes I think back to like when I just was posting TikToks and I was like, wow, this was so easy when before I didn't have to like make a blog post, take a photo, like promote on stories. I was just like, damn, this platform was, was giving us the good life for a minute. It was. Are you managing yourself right now? Do you have anyone helping with your business? It's just me right now. I'm looking to get a manager. We can talk offline about that because I, I want some tea about that. But right now it's just me. I think that's smart for right now. And I'm happy to answer and help you in any way that you need. I'm like an open book when it comes to helping anyone. Because like, I don't look at myself as an expert whatsoever because I still think I'm like this 25-year-old who was fired. But I've been in the space for so long that I feel like the only way to like grow is like by leaning on one another and helping each other. Like I don't find it competitive. Like I'm not a competitive person. So like I never mind sharing any tips or information with anyone, which I think is important because even like when it comes like rates and things, like I'm always happy to share what a brand's paying if I can, because it helps, like we help each other. Like if one person's charging, like for example, significantly less money than someone else and you have the same size following, like you're hurting one another. So when it's like anything, it's so important to like help. Um, So let's, you briefly spoke about you were going through a disordered eating phase and we spoke a little bit on Instagram about this. And when I did ask for questions and things from my community, they wanted to hear a lot about your, your journey and anything you're comfortable with. So would you mind kind of sharing your relationship with food um, and what you went through? Yeah. Um, and this is a key part of why I feel connected to my TikTok audience a lot is because a large amount of my following I got because I did a series talking about my relationship with food. So I'll kind of give you the cliff notes there um, and trigger warning for anybody listening that I will be discussing a pretty intense eating disorders part of my experience. Um, so I grew up in a very diet culture household. I feel like that's pretty common for people who were born in our generation. Um, and my mother actually had an eating disorder herself, but I did not know about it until much later in life. Um, and it was one of those that like, she recovered from it, but like the diet ideas were still ingrained in her brain. So for me at age 12, I have larger body for being in seventh grade. And I went on my first like very restrictive diet that quickly spiraled into binge eating. Um, but that was in 2008 when that term wasn't a thing. So to me, I just interpreted it as, Oh, you can't get a grip. Like you can't control yourself. Um, and it also showed in my body. So I had like a significant amount of weight gain, which really concerned my family. Um, which then there's, there should have been no concern, but it was just so projected onto me that my life turned into binge, restrict, binge, restrict, binge, restrict. Um, and then eventually spiraled into bulimia. Uh, and that went on from age 13 to age 23. So it was all throughout my college years and I hit it pretty well. And it also didn't go diagnosed until I actively began recovering because I didn't think it was a diagnosable issue. I was like, oh, I'm not sick enough until a doctor was like, you, you're bulimic. Um, and so that was a huge part of my life. That's almost impossible to condense into this podcast, but it did impact almost every facet of my, like how I lived. Like I couldn't do certain things because I was restricting that day or I would binge and it would ruin my weekend or I would have really like, I, I had like scary nights, like during a purge where I would be like, maybe this is the night that I'm going to have to call the hospital. Like maybe this is the night that might kill me. So I don't ever want to minimize how like dangerous these disorders can be and how important it is to seek help. And I know I just got really deep in this podcast. Um, but I also want 
to emphasize that like having a disorder as part of your past does not need to define your life for the future. And that's like another big, and I think you said this in your podcast about like your experiences with food, just because it's part of your past doesn't mean that it's always something that you need to rehash or talk about. And that's what I love about having a food account is like, I reclaim food as something really, really positive. Um, and I, I still have like, I still struggle. I think we all struggle with internalized fat phobia in a way, um, or just internalized judgments against ourselves. But um, just like reclaiming my approach to food and the fact that like, it's not something that I need to constantly be worried about was really impactful for me. I also, first of all, thank you for being so open. I had, I, so personally, I've never experienced like binge eating or bulimia. And I, when I was openly go like visually, you could just tell that like something was off when I was you know, restricting a lot of food, counting calories, significantly under eating. One of my childhood friends who I was friends with over 10 years, I had literally no idea, but she was bulimic for the entire time that we were friends from like adolescence. Like I met her in third grade until after high school. And it was on and off for all those years. And I had no idea the entire time. And so when you were going through that, like, did, did anyone know for those like, that's a young age, 13. Like I didn't even have my period by the time I was like at at 13 yet. Like, did you, did anyone know what you were going through or like, was it visual or did people like, couldn't see what was going on? Well, this is where I'm so passionate about this because I was binge eating and restricting from age 13 to 16, I want to say. And I didn't start purging until 16. Um, But that entire time I was in a body size that's 50 pounds heavier than the body size I'm in now at that young age. Um, and that was a, that was a period in time that was so, so judgmental of larger body sizes, which I'm so glad we live in a world that's much more accepting now. Um, that it, no, what hurts the most is nobody would have thought I was sick. Um, everybody thought I was, unhealthy for sure. And like, obviously I was, but just not in the way that you'd expect. And that's why I'm such an advocate right now for eating disorders in larger size people, because it's never identified. It's judged harshly instead of cared for. And it's such a problem. It's such a problem. Did your mom know what you were going through? Um, she found out when I was, she knew because she could identify it. We had the same issue. And wow, this is, this is going to get really like dark and I'm sorry, but like, she'd like knock on the bathroom door sometimes she knew and she did everything she could to help. But it really took me going through college and being independently wanting to heal to actually like heal. I think with disordered eating in general, first of all, I think that it's something that every single person or woman, I should say, really goes through at some point in their life. And the gravity of that and the spectrum is so, so wide where some, you know, it's really, really impacts some people and while other people, they might go through it later in life and, you know, not as, not as intensely, but it's something that everyone experiences in terms of something like, you know, not loving their body, not treating it with the respect it deserves and putting so much pressure when it comes to food. And I just feel like the emphasis and the enjoyment of food is so lost from time where like people are like afraid of food. They are too excited over food. Like there's just, it's been so challenging for so many to find that like happy medium. I don't believe in the word balance. So I don't, I don't even want to say a balanced approach to it. Cause I don't think that exists. There are some days that like I'll like obsess over food and in a sense where I'm like, all I'm thinking about is like the recipes I want to make. And that's where I'm just like, take a step back. Like food is food. And it's, it's do you ever find that it kind of, impacts your job in a negative way at all where like you're so you know you for 10 years you were clearly very fixated on food and consumption or not consumption or whatever it may be and now you work with it all day does it ever like challenging for you yeah um it's it's gotten so much easier uh, in the past year thank god but 
I was kind of in quasi recovery from age like 23 to 25. So when I still started my TikTok account, you can see diet culture things kind of in there. And I made a video. I watched it recently. That's why I'm thinking about it. I made a video fully confessing to people on TikTok being like, sometimes I have thoughts when I'm recipe developing, like that I don't deserve to eat this, you know, like, and that was a year ago, you know? So it's like, it's something that is constantly like a real big work in progress for me, especially working with food. Uh, But it has gotten so much easier and infinitely better just through actually having this job because I realized like, oh, I can chill out way more than I thought I could. What's interesting is that every year you'll notice that at least I can say like every year I notice that I always think that I'm doing so well with food and then then the next year I'm like, no, I'm doing so much better this year. And then like, no, I'm doing so much better now. And when you think about it, you're only going to get like grow and evolve around your relationship as like time goes on. And I also like, I owe all that to like Ezra and Brody because becoming a mom, I don't want to, you know, negatively influence my children and my family because of like my history. You know, I want to like be the mom who like, yeah, I cook organic and, you know, non-GMO and whatever here. But when we're out, we're out. When we're home, we're home. Like, I don't want my kids to be like fearful of food or like have to count calories or like anything of that caliber. And it's crazy because when I took Ezra to the doctor and he turned one, the doctor said to me, you know, he's over the 100th percentile. He might want to skip a few meals. And I was just like, at age one, at one years old. And like, you know, he walked at 15 months. So he just, he's had a big appetite since the day he met food. But I'm like, I'm not putting that type of mindset into my one-year-old child. Like he's eating, he's growing. He's a, you know, he's a little boy. Like he's not overeating. He just doesn't move. Like once he started moving, it was fine. But, you know, I just don't think that like, I think there's so many people left in society that just like, don't understand how to like, handle situation or like know what not to say at that point. Like you're a doctor, like you should not be saying something like that. Um, are there any foods like now or in general that are like triggering for you or like when you would binge eat, are there certain things that you would always go for as opposed to like, do you have favorite things? Well, yeah. I mean, and it's kind of, it goes right along with you saying like each year you see your relationship get better and better and better. And your Ezra and Brody was kind of my relationship with my boyfriend because he and I met two years. So I mark my recovery from when I, my last binge, I have it like marked down in a calendar. Um, But yeah. And so I met him, my last binge was like in September and I met him in December. So it was really like, I was a fresh recovering girl when I met him. And I remember when we like were dating he would eat a lot of Ben and Jerry's, which we still do. Um, but a pint of Ben and Jerry's was my biggest like binge food um, to the point where I couldn't have it in the house. So even as like, like, of course I'd let him have it. Like when he was over at my place, like I wasn't like, I don't need it. But I just always remember being like super uncomfortable that it was there. Um And it honestly, like our relationship was great because I just like, it was kind of like exposure therapy to like all these different kinds of foods. Cause we were dating, we were going out to eat and I was like, Oh my God, I can go out to eat. It cannot spiral into a binge. And that can be like an amazing, like additive to my life. And then I was just thinking about this the other day, as I was looking in my pantry, like at age 21, I could barely hold on to a jar of peanut butter in my pantry. Cause I just didn't want anything there. Now I'm hoarding like seven types of popcorn from Trader Joe's and it feels great. (laughs) So it's nice to see like the progression. I also think that's amazing that you then have like Eric too, to like guide you, especially if he has like a great relationship with food, like Jordan being by my side since I was 19, but only gets better because he has such a healthy perspective and like refreshing Mm -hmm. where I was like almost afraid of unhealthy food. And that was like kind of like my issue and like under eating. And Jordan's type of person where, yeah, he eats very like, you know, nutritious meals. But when we go out for dinner, he's like, if there's a really epic burger with an onion ring on it, like he's getting it. And past, like, you know, the house I was raised in, they would have been like, my family would have been afraid of the burger with the onion ring on it. And Jordan's on there, like ordering it with like the fries and the wings before and like enjoying himself. And it's awesome to be able to like see Eric 
probably eat some Ben and Jerry's and not overeat it and just enjoy however much he enjoys and then move on with his life. Like it's probably refreshing. It's just, it's actually crazy to see how intuitive he is with food because like a part of me thinks that once you have like a few things ingrained in your mind, it's always hard to like completely, Mm -hmm. you know, fully move past that. So like just to see how he behaves around food, is just like, it's super refreshing. It's super healthy for me. I don't think I could be in a relationship where both of us were struggling on this. I think it would be really, really difficult. So it's nice to have him be like the yin to my yang there. That's what I always say too. I love it so much because it's like, it's like a sense of, I mean, I hate the word balance, but it is. It's a sense of balance. It's just like, you know, a black and white cookie. Like you like, I like to eat a little bit of each. So it's good to have, to have both options. Um, when you were seeking recovery, did you go to like a, an, um, an inpatient place? Did you go to a therapist or like, what was your approach to getting recovered? If like you have tips for anyone, if they're struggling or with a similar situation. So when I was recovered, when I started recovery, I did not have any health insurance because I was a contracted worker. So actually what helped me the most was reading the book Brain Over Binge. And that's designed for if you have bulimia or binge eating, it's really good for that. Um, And then I went to and paid out of pocket for a like um, a meeting with a psychotherapist, actually. Um, And then she sent me to a general prac who was the one who told me, like, you've had an eating disorder your entire life. And then from then on, it was really like kind of bootstrapped recovery. Like I didn't see any therapist or dietitian, but I definitely immersed myself in podcasts, books, everything on the subject, because I was treating it like actual addiction recovery. Um, And I had a note in my phone and I still have it because my iCloud just popped it up the other day called all the perks of being binge free. And I remember I would be it was bad, Rachel. Like I would, I was binging about like three to four times a week and I'd be on the subway sometimes. And I'd be like, Oh, I really want to go home and like binge. And I would just read my like note. Yeah. On the L train. Um, so it was just like, it was very much like working on my brain, working on not restricting anything because that was the key was you can't be in a calorie deficit and truly like not feel those painful urges to binge eat if you're in that cycle. So it was a lot of work. I had a calendar that I'd check things off. So that's, that was how it worked for me. It's amazing that you are so open to sharing this. And I think that something like, you know, a decade ago, heck, probably even five years ago, like no one was really talking about because everyone was so embarrassed or like hiding under a rock, like not sharing. And by you sharing your story and like women or men everywhere listening to that, like that's going to help so many people just know that, not only can you grow each and every day your relationship with food for the better, but you can also be around the food and turn your career into something around food in such a way that it's just like a more mindful approach to it. Like being around food, yeah, it gets to be a lot for me sometimes where I'm like, I just want to not think about what I have to make next or I want to like not think about it, but it's not in a way where I'm obsessing over like nutritional breakdown of it or like the calorie count or the fat count or whatever. And when someone always asks for, I have a blog post on why I don't post nutritional facts on my recipes, which if you don't post nutritional facts on your recipes, you will likely have to write a similar blog post because it's just easier to reference it than copy and paste the same answer like a thousand times. Um, But it's just so refreshing to see that like there are content creators that aren't just posting. I was actually looking at TikTok before to like find something. And the first thing that came up was like, this recipe has 250 calories in it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like I feel like diet culture on TikTok is huge. It's it's huge. And like, luckily I'm not in that circle of TikTok, but like when it pops up, I'm like, oh my God, this is still such a problem. I didn't invite myself to that circle. So I don't yeah. know what came up. So I was like, I got to <laughs> figure that out. Um, which I know there's, you know, it's hard because then there's people that I love to follow in general. I know that they lost weight in a healthy way. and you know, not in like a such drastic or wild mindset like I did, but I want them to be able to talk about it, but it's just, it's 
weird to see like, okay, you can eat this because it's 300 calories and it's for breakfast. And it's just like, I don't care. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's scary seeing them be like, get like a million likes and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's why I saw this video. Cause it had like, we had like 770,000 likes and probably a heck of a lot more views than that. And I was just like, I don't want to look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to transition to something a little lighthearted, can we talk about Trader Joe's? Yes, my favorite place. So which Trader Joe's are you going to in Manhattan now that you live in the city? Okay, I'm going to the one in Brooklyn in DeKalb Market. It's perfect. It's big, but it doesn't hold a candle to the Hoboken one, unfortunately. I'm going to cry when I have to say goodbye to the Hoboken Trader Joe's. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Remind me where you guys are moving again. I saw the house. Yeah. So we're moving to Short Hills, Milburn area new jersey so it's like 25 minutes from here okay it's the suburbs but it's okay we'll talk more about that a little i get really upset about leaving hoboken which it's is okay. why we can go um, back to trader joe's <laughs> this is about you i want to i want to hear about your trader joe's love affair and your favorite products and just like tell us your top 10 trader joe's items which i know this is gonna be a really hard thing to answer in general like across the board like someone's coming from Canada, they're going to a Trader Joe's. What are the 10 items they have to get? Okay. Wow. Runs the gamut. Um, okay. I'm going to start with, I'm walking my brain through the produce section. Okay. <laughs> so first things first, they have a rosemary Marcona almond. Those are really good. Okay. Very fancy. I'm, I'm making a cheese plate in my head. Fig and rosemary crisps. So good. Um, Norwegian gluten-free crisp breads. I'm not gluten-free. I house these crisp breads like nobody's business. So if you do have a gluten intolerance, they're so good. They're so filling and they're, they keep you very regular. Okay. So that's three. Um, the Syrah cheese. Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't tried any of these items that you've mentioned. So I'm like, you're enlightening me right now. I just, I just built you a cheese board with these four items. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> The Sirachis, or no, maybe it's Toscano. What is it's that? From, is that like what does that mean? Um, it's like it's like a hard cheese that the rind is soaked in red wine. Yeah. Casual. Oh. And then, well, you probably weren't on TikTok, but TikTok had a phase where it was air frying the mini breeze. Oh, I I don't and I don't have an air fryer, but I did hear about that. Okay, next next time a company and I know like thousands probably approach you for air fryer brand deals. Next time you get one capitalize on that shit and get no. a mini breeze that they don't know you bad in another way. Like, does anyone want to send an air fryer? I know I could buy it, but it's going to be those things. The second I buy it, someone emails me and I just refuse to do it. Um, no, that's fair. I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's okay. But their mini breeze air fryer top notch. Um, they recently, you can tell how crazy of a Trader Joe's fanatic I am by the fact that I noticed they changed the recipe in their Italian sausage list sausages. What did they change? I know. The texture is just different. I don't like it as much. They're still good, but the Italian sausage with sausages used to be so, so good. My favorite vegetarian option. And now they're like, they're medium. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. Oh, they have the canned jackfruit, which is great for barbecue jackfruit recipes. Um, and I'm trying to think of the fun stuff. Dill pickle popcorn, obviously. I haven't tried it. It's on my, we're starting a new series and that's on the series. I'm going to try it. Okay. Have you tried the everything but the bagel chips? Yes. I love everything. Bagel, everything though. Okay. Um, My favorite snack is, hear me out, those chips, a little bit of avocado and a little bit of lox. Eat it like a bite. Being my love language, all you have to do is add some chive cream cheese to that or scallion cream cheese. That sounds amazing. Oh my God. Maybe okay, even like so those are very, arugula leaves on top. Like a little, like a little Christine. That's so classy. I'm going to make that for a party. Oh, that sounds so good. Okay. I'm going to, when, so the, okay. I'm going to try that literally tomorrow okay. when I go. Make it for a TikTok. TikTok will eat that shit up. You named everything savory, by the way. That is so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's because I have like, I've been making a lot of sweet things this week. So like my head is totally in the, I'm craving savory. It's no. weird. Do you have any, what are your, what about like favorite ice cream thing or frozen novelties? At okay. 
I have a hot take. I don't love hold the cones. I know. Stop. Have you tried all the flavors? I haven't tried all the flavors. Did I just cancel myself? I think I just canceled. No, it's okay. My mom is obsessed with them. My mom, my dad, my brother, Jordan. I'm not a big ice cream person, so I would be doing a disfavor if I even like rated something like these. Mm-hmm. Let's try the vegan ones. They have like a non-dairy one. And Jordan was like obsessed. My mom was like, meh. I have not tried them yet. So I can't attest to it. But people okay. hold the cones. Yeah. I do love Trader Joe's has like a non-dairy vanilla ice cream that's really good. And have you seen their ube shortbreads? Like the purple ones? Okay, they have these mini ube shortbread cookies and that with their non-dairy ice cream. So good. Oh, I'll have to try that. I'll add the non-dairy vanilla to my hype list of things to try. So that way I can just try it. One more thing for your list. How do you feel about the chocolate hummus? I don't have the balls to eat it. It's so it's like actually good. I can't believe I forgot to tell you about this. This is like my main personality trait on my Instagram stories is that I will die for the chocolate hummus. I've never noticed that you post about the chocolate hummus. Well, it's not in my fridge right now, which is my own fault. So what I should probably do more. Like got a banana? Banana's good. Pretzels, cherries, um, like cookies, obviously. Apple slices, it's pretty good. I put it, this is weird. I put it in oatmeal, like overnight oats and some chocolate oh, hummus. That'd be so good. It's so good. Okay, I'm going to try that, the chocolate hummus. I would, I honestly think that I would like it because I like cookie doughs that are made with like chickpeas sometimes. So I think I'd be open to it. Yeah. I think the branding is just what ruined it for people. And it has a little bit of tahini in it. So I think people are weirded out by that too. Tahini is so good in baked goods that like people can't judge the tahini addition. Like I love baked goods with tahini in it. I recently learned, oh my God, what's, there's like a, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting who did it, but it's like a huge food account. So I'm going to feel so bad, but, um, oh, feel good foodie. What she does is she greases her baking tins with tahini instead of butter. It's crazy. That's genius. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just started following her a few months ago too. And she's one of my favorite people to follow because I just, it's like, that's like kind of food. Like it's just like simple. Yeah. Like I love simple food. Um, we're doing this new thing at Trader Joe's where we're going and trying three to four products in a video and we're recording ourselves eating them on camera and we're going to rate them if it's worth the hype or if it's not worth the hype. There's so many things that people are like, Oh, do you get this at Trader Joe's? I'm like, no, but I also would never buy it. But I also realized that people like, I don't mind spending money on food. It doesn't like, it's fine. You know, it's part of like my, like, you know, it's part of our work. Like I don't care spending extra, my food bill is disgusting. Like I'm not going to share how much money I spend on food because I also feed four people now, but it's making me put like, it's pushing me out of my comfort zone so much. I'm trying stuff that I would literally never try. And we tried the vegan bolognese, the Brazilian cheese bread and Buffalo chicken. Like they, someone said called the Buffalo chicken egg, um, egg rolls, but it's almost like a phyllo dough. And Jordan, I don't like Buffalo anything. So I would like me tasting that would be doing like, you know, the community a disfavor, which we're doing the same thing. We're like, if it's something Jordan, I know he won't like, like I'll eat it. And if it's something I know I won't like, like, I'm not going to rate it. Cause it's going to be like, I'm going to say no. And then I'm like doing someone a disfavor. So we've done so far the key lime pie, popcorn, the three things I just mentioned, the vegan pork rinds. I love those. I love those. Why are they so good? They're so, well, like the thing is, if you were to tell me that they're just like a spicy Cheeto, I'd be like, they're amazing. I, they're, they're so good. The video I'm sharing today, the video of me eating it. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to like this. I mean, like, these are really good. Like so good. And I don't like spicy and it didn't hit me till I kept eating it, how spicy they were. And I'm like, okay, Rachel, like you, I have no spice tolerance. Um, what else? I mean, yeah, the vegan, the frozen vegan bolognese. Have you tried it? I, I haven't, I've seen the jarred vegan bolognese and in my head, I'm just like, I don't need to buy this because it's just textured soy protein and like a tomato sauce, but I'm really interested. I'll let you know. See, these, this is, it's like, you're interested. Most people are, and then they don't have the balls to do it. So yeah. Gordon and I are going to do it for everyone. And we're going to let you know our thoughts. See, I love that. I love that. In my newsletter, I do a Trader Joe's couple of the week where I like combine two items 
and tell you what's good, but I haven't gotten out of my comfort zone yet. I'm just telling people my favorite things. No, I mean, that's probably what I would have been doing. But like, now that Jordan's here, we're going to start doing like more ballsy things, I think. I'm so um, excited. Yeah. Well, Justine, this was so amazing. I'm so happy that you were able to come on the podcast and share your story and you're able to chat. I do wish we were at Obagel. I was laughing when he said, you want to excuse me to go I'm like, oh man, I'm so, I, I'm recording my bedroom. I have nowhere to go. No, it's okay. We have to go though before you move, please. I would love that so much, but we're here probably till like end of November, if I had to guess. Okay. Do you miss Hoboken? Yes. Um, like it was hard for me because it was like, I didn't know a lot of people there, but like, it's such a pretty city. It's literally like living in Disney World. You know? I wish we hung out when you were here. Like you could have gone for morning walks. Yeah, I feel like we were actual neighbors. You were here at Hive, right? Kind of. I'll tell yeah. you where I live when I stop hitting record. But actually, I'll stop hitting, tell everyone where they could follow you and then I'll stop hitting record. Oh, right. Um, everybody can follow me at Justine underscore snacks on all platforms. That's Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok. Hit me up. Justine is amazing. Everyone go follow her. Thank you so much. 